would encourage you to find ways that your kids can feel at home, right? Like, it doesn't need to be perfect to be hygge. In fact, I think I'm bent towards perfection, and that can actually suck the hygge right out of the atmosphere, right? If your kids don't feel at home, um, or if your husband feels like he can't be at home because you're trying to make something so perfectly put together, right? Um, so just want to encourage you guys that you can uh, make your space very hygge-like. Um, another one is to find some things that you love, colors, plants, styles. I just want to share quickly that I bought a plant two years ago because my house had no plants, and I love plants. Like, I want my house to be like a botanical garden, okay? And I kill them, though. And so I just thought, you know what? Just buy it from Lowe's. They've got a one-year return policy. And I did. I bought this one plant, and I put it in my bathroom, and I love it. It makes me so happy. Every time I see it, it's against, like, this lace curtain when the light comes in. And I'm not kidding. For two years now, I walk past that space, and it makes me feel cozy, content, hygge, right? So whatever that is for you, a plant, a color, um, something that's stylish, do that in your house. And then the last thing on your home is if you can, if there's a space that just drives you crazy because it's so cluttered, just take time to declutter that. It will help you to feel more at peace in your home and will probably help create that sense of hygge for everyone else too. Or worst case scenario, get a basket and throw everything in it and then just like shove it in a corner, right? At least then it looks so organized. All right, number two. Number two, um, indulging in what you enjoy. So I have a practice, um, and it is anytime I get a magazine in the mail, which how many of you got Magnolia Journal yesterday? Anybody? Oh, really? Y'all need this. This is like the best. Okay, well, Chip and Joe definitely showed up in my dream last night, and I hung out with them, and I'm a little obsessed. But the point is, is I enjoy this so much. This is life-giving to me, right? And so when I get a magazine in the mail, I just decide it's a mini vacation day, and I literally stop whatever household work I need to do. I turn on some TV for my kids, and I just enjoy this. I don't want to only read it when I have five minutes. I just want to take a whole hour and enjoy it. So maybe there's something that you enjoy reading that you could do that too. Other things. Um, make yourself a fancy lunch or maybe breakfast. Stacy Muffler back there, she does a quiche sometimes, and it lasts, what, five days? Fancy breakfast. You do not have to share with your children, okay, or anyone else. I give you permission. I say no all the time. I'm like, nope, I'm eating this chocolate, not you. Just say no. They'll get, they'll get used to it, I promise. Um, but there's a moment where, if, if there's a moment during nap time or just some space where you can feel like you're having a normal lunch, I'm telling you, it will do just all sorts of good in your spirit and your soul. Uh, you could eat more. We also could share time with friends. Or you could eat. Or you could go do some hobbies or interests. Or you could just eat. So the Danes have no problem eating pastries. In fact, they consider part of Hygge sharing good food with each other, right? So pretty easy one. All right, number three. Clocking out. Um, I've not done this well until the last year and a half or two. Um, Being a mom, it's totally 24-7, right? Um, There's not much space. And... uh, your kids don't really understand that you are not at their beck and call all the time. 
And I can remember my husband Joshua laying on the couch one Sunday, and I'm just doing laundry and just going, and I'm so mad at him. And I'm like, if you would just get up and help, then I could rest. And he's like, no, you need to stop, and you just need to rest. And I'm like, but I can't because you're not doing anything. Right? Like, have you ever felt that way? I'm seeing some head nods. Yes. But listen, he was right, okay? We have to choose to stop. And uh, you might have to lock the door to your bedroom, and that's okay. You might have to lock your children in their bedroom. Guys, it's okay. They, like, yes, if you have little ones, you need to attend to their basic needs and make sure that they're safe. But beyond that, please, I give you permission. You can have office hours. And so... Like I said, about a year and a half ago or so, I just decided after 9 p.m., I'm not doing anything that is work-related, okay? My kids are asleep. I'm not going to fold laundry after 9. I'm not going to do the dishes after 9. I'm done, okay? And so I would just encourage you to find a time, maybe just clock out for lunch or gasp, maybe take a weekend <gasps> or even just one day, like a Sabbath day, right? And the last part I want to say about that is the word Sabbath is something that's kind of churchy. It goes all the way back to Old Testament in the Bible where God tells the Israelites, you need to take one day a week and you are not to work, you are to rest. And we get this mixed around in our culture because we think, oh, well, that just sounds like another rule, right? And I've been learning more about it and it's not a rule at all. It's a gift. And the gift is that we get to know that our existence doesn't depend on us and that we don't have to work, 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 work to keep things going. It puts us in our place. It shows us our identity, right? And when you rest, there's something that happens in your soul and your spirit that brings out that contentment, that brings out that peace that we all want. Because otherwise, what's the alternative? Run the rat race, right? Just keep going because our work doesn't stop, right? The list is never ending. And just to continue to, to, Maggie, you can go to the next one, um, five, about cultivating contentment. And like Laura says, I really do believe that that really stems from this concept of Sabbath. Because like Laura said, it's reminding us that we are not God. We are not super women, right? I mean, Superman was a fictitious character, right? We can't have it all. We can't do it all. And so what is that that we're called to do? And when is enough enough? And I also love it that in the, in the Bible, the concept of, um, of Sabbath, when God rested on that seventh day, it says that then, after his, he rested, then creation was complete. I think that is fascinating, that the act of creation wasn't in creating all the, the earth and the, and the people and the animals and everything else, but the completion of that was with that rest. And so that is such a critical part of our lives, right? Um, and so when is enough enough? And I think Hugga helps us to figure out and to, and to take those moments when we can so that we can be fulfilled. So we can be, um, you know, it's like what we hear all the time about putting on your, the oxygen mask before you can help other people. Before you can really fully be able to give yourself to others, you have to first be full. And that takes from taking a step back. Um, you know, but I have up here, and you read that, you know, journal, prayer, reflect, space, and, like, look at that picture. Like, that just looks so idyllic, doesn't it? Um, and before you're, like, writing me off, you're like, seriously, Rachel, like, you realize that I do have a six-month-old, an 18-month-old, and a three-year-old. If I would try to do this, they would be either 
trying to get into the fire or trying to crawl up on my lap and spill my cold coffee because guess what? As moms, like with people those age, we don't have hot coffee. We don't have hot coffee, right? We have microwaves. We have microwaves. Multiple times we microwave our coffee in the morning. And so, you know, you, you know my people are a little bit bigger, so I can, I, can, I can make this time happen a little easier in my life now. But I remember when I was in your stage, and I was deeply longing for that time to be able to connect and just find that quote-unquote quiet time. And I saw on social media people hashtag quiet time with their Bibles open and like their hot coffee swirling up. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I was burning with jealousy, right? Um, How does this happen? And oftentimes I got so, I'm going to say bitter because the answer that I got from people were just, just get up a little earlier. Just get up before your kids wake up. Well, let me tell you. I don't believe in a God that says, get up a little earlier when you've already been awake at 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 4.30 a.m., and you've had to change sheets because somebody has wet your bed at 5 a.m. You know Preach. what I mean? Yeah. And so let me tell you, I, do, I believe God values your sleep, and God does not expect you to get up a little bit earlier. I believe that God can be with you in the quiet time for sure, but God is also with you in the loud time, okay? And so Huga is opening our eyes, and I think this happens through gratitude. It's through awakening to those things that truly are around us so that we can take notice and see, oh my goodness, I have kids in my lap, right? I have kids that are making a mess because they're in my life right now. It is loud because I have kids. I have laundry, a mountain of laundry to fold because I have people to wear this. That radically shifts the, the, the nature of the conversation, right? And I think Huga, this concept of coming home really and opening your eyes to see the beauty and the extravagance of your own ordinary life is amazing. Um, So saying thank you, saying thank you not only to God, but also saying thank you to your family. What does it mean to cultivate this concept of gratitude within your family, right? Um, Because our words matter, and like it or not, oftentimes I feel like us as moms, we're like the, we're the center of, like the center of the attitude in our family, right? Like if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy, right? The thermostat. We are the thermostat, yeah. And so I think as we also nurture this, um, this concept of gratitude in our lives, um, that they pick up on it. They pick up on it. I remember my one son, Connor, um, you know, (laughs) sometimes when I watch too much HGTV, like I find myself like sort of on a railroad, right? That's like not heading in a good direction. I'm like, oh, I wish I could change this. And I wish I could change that, you know? And then Connor, I just noticed his converse, like his talk. He was like, oh, if we would just push this wall back, you know? Um, he's like, my room is so small. Like, when are we going to get a new... Like, and I'm like, oh, but I'm the one that's doing that. So what does it mean for me to really be careful and watch my words um, and, to, and to, use, to use words that, that build up one another um, and, and offer gratitude for, for my life? And also just a quick word about social media as it um, works at cultivating contentment. We got to be careful, Right? We've got to be careful. Um, 
I think social media, I'm not a social media hater, right? But I'm a social media discerner. And I think that there's um, a legitimate space for online community. I really do. This last, like Beth said, I just started my position at IU full time after 17 years of being home or doing part-time work from home. And that was a huge shift. And I started my full-time job the week that my children got out for school in the summer. And that was hard from getting on social media, getting on Instagram, getting on Facebook, and seeing all these amazing vacations that people were going on. Oh, this lovely afternoons at the pool. And I am stuck in job jail, right? And it really, really took me to a dark place. And I had to get myself out of social media for a while. I had to give myself a sabbatical from it because I was just too emotionally fragile that I couldn't do it. And so I think all that to say is that sometimes we need to be careful with social media and our use and ask ourselves, why are we posting, right? Am I posting because I want someone else to feel, um, to, to like me back and, or to say, oh, that's amazing, your family looks amazing, you know, um, because I, I need that reassurance, right? Um, or are you just reading through and just kind of finding yourself, well, you know, and maybe it's time to take a step back. So I think be careful and pay attention to what tr cultivates true contentment in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, which leads us to the next point of unplugging. Um, there are screens everywhere, people, like everywhere. And, you know, I didn't have to ask permission um, or you know, ask the leadership here if it would be okay if we played an online video game or online game like a Kahoot because I figured everyone has a has a, a phone that they can probably access pretty easily or be next to someone that does um, because we are very connected. And the point of the matter is, is that as families, like I said, it's important for us to be tech discerners. Um, we are on an, in an online um, age. There's nothing we can do to change that. Um, but life goes so fast. Life goes so fast. And when life goes fast, Huga says, go slow. Um, and screens, I think, are so easy, easily distracting us and disconnecting us, even though we're, quote unquote, more connected than ever. And that can happen even with our families. We can all be in the same room together with our families. And yet, because of screens, we can be like miles apart, right? And so um, I have been known. I have been known, my friends know me, I have been known to actually physically take out the TV in our family room and move it to the garage. Um, I have also been known to gather all the remotes, um, all of the screens and devices and put them in my bag and lock them in my car. So when I say put the screens away, I really mean put the screens away. I don't mean just put your phone down, right? Because it's so easy sometimes just to like, you put it down and then you kind of pick it up when they're not looking and then put it down again, you know? Um, put your phone away and be connected. And Sean and I, my husband, we have decided recently that we will not go to restaurants anymore as a family where there are screens. Or at least be asked to sit someplace where there is not a screen in sight. Because when we do, my boys are like, constantly, right? And I'm like, we're supposed to be having a family dinner, connecting here. And all I have is my three kids that are just like, can't pull their eyes away. Because it is so addictive, right? Um, so, so unplug, unplug every once in a while, play a game, look at each other. It seems like it's such an easy concept, but look at each other in their eyes. I don't know how many times, even if I'm just like cooking dinner, 
you know, my little people are over here like trying to talk to me. I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Not ever really seeing what's going on. One really quick story, I remember when Owen, my oldest, who's now 12, he was, he was five at the time. And I was doing something, I don't know what it was I was doing, but I was just not wanting to be with him at that moment. I was like, can mama have a moment? Which is okay to have a moment sometimes. But he was just very persistent. And I just remember being like, all right, fine. I'm just going to physically turn and look at you. And when I turned and looked at him, because he was like, Mom, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I looked at him. I was like, what do you want to show me? He's dressed. Full-on safari-like outfit, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? He was like, come with me. And he led me outside into our backyard. And he had taken all of his, like, little plastic animals, you know, those, like, little plastic animals. He had created habitats all around our backyard. The, the koala was, like, in the tree munching on leaves. The kimono dragon was, like, in the dirt. And, like, the longhorn cow was in the grass. Like, I mean, it was incredible. And he was just telling me about all these different little habitats, this little zoologist. And I was like... A, this is amazing, right? I can, I can see and experience this little zoologist, like, and all the amazing creativity that he has. Or I can also be, like, a little concerned because obviously he's gotten this all from Wildcrats, right? Which is too much TV. Um, but we're going to go with the first point. Um, but the point of the matter is, is that I would have missed all of that if I would not have turned and actually looked and listened, right? Um, so I think it's so important for us to, to just be present to one another. Um, and to follow your kids' leads, then that's really what I mean. Follow your kids' leads, right? Sometimes our agenda is to have no agenda. Um, and like Laura said, you know, there's, it's, it's a fine line because it's also okay to take, um, to take time for yourself too. But sometimes in this connected world, we end up um, getting so disconnected. So... Yeah, and I'll just tag on to that and say car time is a really great time to unplug. Um, both, you know, obviously we shouldn't be on our phones when we're driving, but also screens in the car and maybe even music. Yeah. Um, because one thing that I've realized, I have about a four-year-old as my youngest and a 12-year-old as my oldest. Um, the time that you spend actually talking with them when they're two and three and four in the back seat. That's what cultivates that relationship that when they're 12, they want to sit in the front seat and talk with you. And so every day since Lou, my little one, has been able to talk and we're driving to wherever we're going that day, what are we going to talk about, Mom? And we just talk about everything. You know, and today on the way here, she goes, can we talk about loving people, right? Like that's just coming out of her own little heart. So I just really encourage you that you need to care about what they want to talk about and make that eye contact with them when they're little, as soon as they can start talking or maybe even before, right? Because that's developing for them this relationship that says, I feel safe. I feel content with my mom. I can be present, right? So that leads right into the next one, which is snuggle time. All right, guys, um, I need to let you know that snuggle time can lead to spontaneous napping. And that is okay. I probably nap three to four times a week with my four-year-old. It's okay. Let yourself off the hook of your to-do list. Um, we have cultivated a kind of a, a rhythm of snuggle time with nap times. So just my example is 
every day, Lou knows, and all my girls, I've done this, they know that we're going to use the bathroom, get out two books, and you can choose what bed you want to sleep in. That might be mine, that might be theirs. But we're going to snuggle in and just read two books, good books. Please pick good books from the library. There's a lot of terrible children's books that are boring. Choose the good ones. Um, And then we're going to snuggle, and I'd stay there until my girls fall asleep. Now, let me just let you in on a secret. All my girls have napped until they're five, okay? So let me just throw that out there that that might be the secret sauce as I stay with them and then I fall asleep too. And who wouldn't like that? Naps till five and you get naps too? I don't know. And I've had multiples, so it can be done. Uh, But also another example would just be getting in your jammies after dinner, right? And just having that cozy time together as a family. I strive to do bedtime well, um, but I often am just frazzled and I'm like, Joshua, you go do it. Go put them to bed. But I will say that's a really sweet time, too, to snuggle with your kids. And I know a family that they just had two kids, a boy and a girl. And every night, the parents would lay down with each of them, even up through high school. And then they would switch. And they'd just be there by their bedside, right? Not like in a weird way, but just like, you know, they'd just be there. And these seasoned parents said that's when the conversations came out when the kids were relaxed, when they knew they had that attention from their parent. So you can start cultivating that right now, um, that sense of home, that huga, right? That feeling that we all crave. Um, I do want to share one little last story. Guys, I had my sweetest parenting moment that I've had in 12 years during snuggle time about two weeks ago. I've got this little Lou, and she is a beast, okay? She straight up, like, throws punches at people, and she's just like a, a girl ninja. She is just very strong, right? Well, we're reading The Giving Tree. You guys know what that is, right? We're reading The Giving Tree, and we've read it before. I've read it with all my girls. And at the end of it, when the tree is like, I have nothing left to give, boy. You know what I mean? Uh, her little chin starts quivering. And I could just sense something was happening. And I looked down and she goes, this makes me want to cry. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet, especially coming from my just bull of a girl, right? And it's because we had this safe space, this, this snuggle time, this huga, right? Where we felt connected and together. And I'm a great reader. I'm not going to lie. Like, my voices and characters are on point. But let's just say it was the hygge feeling, right, that that had been cultivated. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Number seven, on the lighter side, hey, turn on some music. Music can just set the mood in your house. We have been known to have major dance parties. This booty, it can really, (laughs) sorry, I'm picturing myself. I get down, guys. I get down in my living room. My kids do too. Uh, and it's just a blast. That can set a hygge feeling in your household. And on the flip side, uh, I was folding laundry again a few weeks ago. I'm in my last year of stay-at-home momminess, and everything has this sunset glow to it, right? You'll get there, too. And I'm folding laundry. My house has these interior windows that can look into the girls' bedroom. And I'm folding laundry, and the Disney princess songs are playing, And I see Lou in the bedroom playing with her little beads. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is just so special. Like, and next year, I'm just gonna be folding this laundry and looking through this window, and no one's gonna be here. Right? Like, there's these moments that we can recognize 
um, if we're just present to them. So as simple as folding the laundry with music on with your toddler, right? Or maybe it's dinner time and you turn on some music in the background, country, classical, whatever. Christmas, to, there's no, no. I'm sorry. I, I gotta stop you right there. I did pull on some Christmas music. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah, you I can have agree a, to disagree too. Yes. Mm, yeah, I'll I'll be quiet on that one. So yeah, that's the music. Okay, next slide. I think this is me, right? Control the calendar. So you can put Christmas music on anytime because you control the calendar. No, I'm just kidding. So um, the whole point of the matter is with controlling the calendar is that you need to know what the cost of your yes is, right? Um, because who's in charge? Our lives are busy, and oftentimes before we know it, we look at the calendar and we're like, how did we get to this point of going to and fro and everywhere? And it can seem daunting, I think, um, to, to know what, what activities to put in your lives, right, and to, put, to sign up your kids for, and what to say no, for, no to. Like, what is that, what's that lens that we use in order to discern what those activities are? Um, my husband and I, a couple months ago, we actually took a retreat day together, and we created a family mission statement. And it sounds more fancy than what it really has to be, but um, we have found that to be incredibly helpful as this guiding lens for our family life because we're the ones that are setting the agenda. We're the ones that are starting the train for our family life. We get to choose our family story and what we want and how we want to create our family life, right? And that starts by knowing what you want, what you value, and having your values guide your actions. And so um, we created this this family mission statement, and we really do use it as a lens to say, so what is it that we really want to nurture, right, in this season? And it can change, right? It can change um, over time according to your family needs, but it's really important to, for you to be able to identify what is it that I want my family as a core to have um, because then that's going to give you um, more of an idea about how then to create your calendar, um, one of my favorite books was written by um, a person that I used to work with at Eastern Mennonite University who was the athletic director. It was called Overplayed. And, and he wrote it from a perspective of a college athletic director talking about these exact points that we hear about, like, all these activities and all the travel sports, right? Um, and just being overplayed in so many different lives because we feel like we have to, if our kids aren't involved, they're going to miss out and we're going to ruin them for the rest of their lives. And so this book really talked about the reality of travel leagues, the overuse of injuries that are happening right now because our, our, our people are playing sports earlier and harder and with more intensity than ever before. Um, he talked about developmentally, deve I thought this was interesting, developmentally, um, you know, baseball, Developmentally, kids can't actually like follow a ball and hit it until it's like fourth grade. I mean, third, fourth grade, like somewhere in there, like in elementary school. And, you know, and we have these little people starting baseball, which is so cute, so cute, right? Like little, I mean, it's adorable. Um, but at what cost, right? He was like, we're, we're always yelling at our kids, keep your eye on the ball. They're like, he's like, well, actually, <laughs> they like really can't. Um, but what I'm trying to say here is that um, when we sign our little people up for things, 
This is a no judgment zone, right? It's your choice. But know the cost of your yes, right? Because sometimes those little leagues start at 5.30, which is, at least in my, my world, not the best time for my four-year-old or five-year-old right after kindergarten, after a long day, to take them out again for another hour to play a sport. They're just wiped, right? So what is, what is the value um, and the cost of our yes? Um, and be honest about your motivations, right? Is it about the fear of missing out for yourself? Is it about the fear of your kids missing out? FOMO KMO. FOMO KMO. And then there's also a FOMO KNUKNESS. KNUKNESS. It's which is Danish for a fear of my kid not getting a college scholarship. Right. This is real. This yes. is real. So know the cost of your yes and what you're saying yes to. Yeah, I'm just going to say one more thing. That um, my son, my oldest son who's now 12, he, he's like, he's gets so many invites for play dates and meet up at the park and go for bike rides and whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm like his little personal secretary. Um, and the thing is, is that sometimes, and he would say yes to everything, right? But I'm his parent, right? And, and we have some guiding values for our family life, like dinner matters, right? Dinner matters. And so sometimes, like last night, I was like, you know, you, you could go and play basketball at the Y at 7.30 with your friend, but you know what? I value us because that is the hour that, as, as a family, are able to connect with each other. So the answer is no, and that's okay. Yeah, I just want to tap into this because, um, again, with Rachel, I think it's really important to figure out what your family values, right? And we're not, we're not saying this is one way you should do it or the other, but you need to know what your family values. And I feel like my family has run a really uh, different path. Both my husband and I were collegiate athletes at Purdue, and yet our girls, who are very athletic, have not done a single sport up until middle school here, until that age. Well, softball for one year for one of them. But the point is, we had to really fight this urge to be like, we can make you great. I can make you the best hitter you've ever seen. You know what I mean? Because we both had that experience. But what we found as we uh, ha kept having all these children was we really valued them being together after school. And my girls, they play together. They're tight. They have downtime. And it, it's the family culture that we wanted to give them, Right. Um, also, I want to encourage you that uh, the time, it slips away. And so when your kids are young, they only know the opportunities that you're bringing in front of them, okay? Most of them don't have Facebook. They don't know what opportunities are available. They don't know what sports are going to be offered. Um, you still control their calendar. I just started middle school with my oldest, and guess what? She has a life all of a sudden. She has all these opportunities from school and clubs and making the volleyball team where we feel like this is the appropriate time based on our family values for her to start to step away. But it's different not having one of my kids there. It's different not having a sister there, right? And so I just want to give you that perspective, at least from my experience, is that there can be a time and place where your values need to shift, but just figuring out what they are and then setting your calendar from that point. Thank you, Laura. So hospitality, um, the last, yeah, point nine. Practicing hospitality. So what do we fill our calendar with then, right? For me, like I said, Huga, um, it all re revolves around relationships and around connection. Or in other words, hospitality, right? 
So how do we welcome others, not only into our homes, but also into our lives? And I think um, Hoga Hospitality is focused on, um, it's more about nourishing our bodies, right, with good food, as well as nourishing our souls and the connections that we have with one another. Um, it's different than entertaining, right? Hospitality is not entertaining. Entertainment is about the menu. It's about the decor. It's about the perfection. It's about the impressing. It's, a, it's more focused on you as a hostess, right, and how you're creating space for others versus hospitality is about that connection. It's about focusing on keeping things simple, right? Um, it's focusing on presence and being with one another. And... Um, and we see then that with true hospitality, the focus is on the guest and how they feel. There's nothing better, um, a, a, more, um, a better compliment that I can receive when someone would say, when I come to your house, I just feel like I'm home, right? Um, and what I've noticed over the years is that true hospitality, however, can't really f truly happen unless we're able to, quote unquote, come home to ourselves, right? Um, and, and I think that that can take on a lot of different um, ways. But I think the, the motivation we need to ask ourselves is maybe why am I over, and I'll speak for myself, why am I over-functioning, right? Why do I feel like I have to create this perfect space? What is this really about? Um, is it because maybe that inner voice that I have is that I'm not good enough, right? Um, that I, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be accepted as I am. So what is it? What is the invitation for us to truly get in touch with those those nagging voices that are within? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we are enough, just as we are. That we are fully loved, and that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love or to take God's love away from us. Right? Like um, we are fully, fully okay. And um, so what does it mean to embody a life then that as we're able to come into, into terms and understand that the depth of that love, that we can in turn then offer that love and that acceptance to others. And so um, hospitality, like I said, is all about connection and um, not the decor, not the menus. Um, but so when you're looking for how to embody hospitality, what does it mean to um, invite your neighbors in, right? Do we even know our neighbors? That's the question. Do we even know our neighbors, right? Um, get to know your neighbors. Maybe extending and having meals with um, international students that are looking for a local home, right? Um, to build that connection, to build those um, intercultural relationships. Um, Bloomington Worldwide Friendship is a great organization to get involved with, and I know Sherwood Oaks also has like a Thanksgiving opportunity to invite international students in. Um, to take advantage of that, to... Um, to create those cozy spaces even for your own um, family that you have um, in order to truly be present to each other. And lastly, um, join or create a small group to share life with, you know? Um, and sometimes we have to create that for ourselves. I know when my family moved from Virginia to Bloomington five years ago, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. The first thing I did, though, I drove past Sherwood Oaks, and I pulled in, and I went to the office, and I was like, because I had been involved in a mops group in Virginia. And I came in, I was like, you look like a big church. Do you guys have, like, a mops group? And they were like, actually, we do. And then later that afternoon, I was, like, out to lunch with, like, the women leadership team. I'm like, this is a little odd. I don't know how I got here all of a sudden. 
But I found this group, and it was such a great lifeline. And I met some of my best friends here in this space. And um, and sometimes you just have to take that take that leap of faith and create something for yourself um, if you if you're longing for that that sense of um, connection with others, um, reminding you ultimately that you're not alone to do this thing in life. How's our time? I don't have a clock. It's a quarter till, so we probably need to... Okay, I think I'm going to skip the last one. Well, I'll just say quickly. Show it real quick. All right, real quick. Self-care, guys, right? Uh, this is Huga as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to create that sense of contentment. And it's hard to feel content if you're down on yourself or if you're always feeling like, oh, if I could just get it together. And my real quick story from that is uh, maybe like three years ago and then prior to that, I'd show up here every time in my uh, spandex pants and my sweatshirt, right? And that is okay, but I felt bad about myself. You know, I was like, oh, why couldn't I have woken up earlier so I could put on real clothes? And for me, and just the way I'm wired, that was something that was causing dissatisfaction for me all the time. And I realized, um, probably after I was done nursing and had some more time, right, that Part of me feeling good is through uh, creating beauty and, um, yeah, just creating. And I realized, oh, my clothing is one of the ways that's really easy for me to feel like I'm creating something. But that's personal to me, right? But, like, putting on these earrings today makes me feel alive. Like, it's fun for me. It's a sense of um, just coming home to myself, right? So I want to encourage you, if that is anything that um, you could relate to in terms of clothing, or hairstyles, or I don't know if you get your nails did. I don't know. I don't. I'm an all-natural girl. But whatever it is that would make you feel like content, right, and just who you um, are presenting yourself as, take time for that, okay? I give you permission to go get your nails done, and you can just tell your husband that you have to, okay? Um, But yeah, it's important to figure out what makes you feel content um, so that you can be in a place to give that to other people. All right. Do you um, have any final words, Laura? I just really love that quote that I said at the beginning. Yeah. I'd like to read it one more time. Now that you've gotten the big sense of what Hoga is, I just find this really beautiful. I'm going to read it slowly and just think about some of the things that we've said and how they apply to your life. Hoga is the art of building sanctuary and community. It's of inviting closeness and paying attention to what makes us feel open-hearted and alive. It's to create well-being, connection, and warmth. It's a feeling of belonging to the moment and to each other and celebrating every day. And I know for me, I'm, I'm in my last year, like I said, nine months of being at home, and I've really found a new contentment as I realize that it's ending, and I would just encourage you guys to find that contentment as well. And then I'm going to try to take my next, my next group of time, which is 13 more years of school kids, And I'm going to try to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to try to be more present. I'm going to try to make eye contact more and just find contentment in the season of life that I'm in. One final story that I have is that um, I can really, I can remember. So my kids are 12, 9, and 6 right now, right? I remember when I had a 5-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a newborn, and I remember going to Starbucks. It was one of like the first outings of Starbucks because, you know, we need, we need our coffee when we have a newborn. 
And I remember um, I was like juggling in the line, you know, like all the cups and like the coffee cake and the baby carrier and the diaper bag and all this stuff. All the stuff. All the oh stuff, gosh. right? When like my three-year-old, who was also potty training, like is like, I need to go to, po I need to poop now. And you're like, oh my word, right? So yeah, so you know, we get we get to our stuff, get to the, you do the stuff. We came back and like, you know, I'm like sort of like PTSD here. I had this older lady that comes up to me, and she says, enjoy this time. They, it goes by so fast. And I want to be like, I, I mean, I smiled. I was polite. I was like, thank you, it does. Um, but I wanted to say, really? Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait for the time that my kids can tie their own shoes, wipe their own bottoms, and buckle their own seatbelts, right? Um, That's age four, just for the record. Yeah. Four to five. There you go. Four to five. But the point of the matter is, is I am in that stage now where I don't have to do those things, right? And I'm looking at my 12-year-old now, this man-child, who is now getting so much, like, he's like this big now. And it almost takes my breath away because I'm like, I can't make this time stop. And it feels like the older they get with every year, it does go by so much faster. And I wonder... Will I have done everything that I have wanted to do for them to know? Will they know our values? Will they know their worth? Will they know their belovedness? Will they know their call and their hopes and their dreams that God has for them in their life? Will I have done enough to speak this truth into them so as they can launch, it can take root and live in their own life how God has intended them to live? And I think back to this older woman at Starbucks and um, that it does, she's so right. It does go by all in such a blink of an eye, right? And that is why I love this concept of hugga. Because as we embrace it as a practice, right? We're not going to ever perfect it. Some days we're going to, like, be horrible at it. But as a practice, if we can embody this concept of hugga, it not only enables us to take it all in, right? So that we can be present to our kids, so we can instill those things we want them to take with them but also so that we can absorb the moments that we are in now and not wish them away because we'll never be able to have them back again. And so um, Huga for me, and the gift that it brings, enables me to see the gift of my one extraordinary life that's already here. And so um, as we wrap up, we just want to say that our prayer for you is that, um, that you will be able to embody and embrace this Huga lifestyle um, to be able to truly live your amazing life. So there are discussion questions on the table if you have a couple minutes to do that. And um, we really thank you for this opportunity today.